Hello, Julian. Hello, Mike. How are you today? I'm fine. Yeah, how are you? Excellent. I'm good, thank you. A little tired. Been doing lots and lots of stuff. All things happening left, right, and centre, and with the business or with life generally, or business life. Good, good. Business is going well. Business is going much better than it was early in COVID. Yes, thank you very much. So, big thank you to all my customers out there. Um, we're we're ticking over. So uh, that's very nice. So, hi. I'm Mike Brampton. And my name is Julian Hope. Welcome to Veterinary Ramblings. What, what are we saying good evening to? Well, we're saying good evening to, to the fifth, sixth or seventh season. I, I've lost track. <laughs> Have another drink, Julian. I will do. Yeah, it's, do. it's becoming quite a habit, this, isn't it? Do you know, I look forward to my Wednesday evenings, sitting down having a quiet drink. Just yeah. the two of us. And a guest, it's nice, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It's uh, it's quite relaxing. We've we've had some very interesting guests, of course, uh, through the through the various series. And tonight's guest is is no different. Um, yeah. Well, there's there's just one difference, and I guess the only difference is that with all the other guests, we've had absolutely no problem saying their surname. Yes. Hmm. Yes. I think we need to take a good old run-up to this one, don't we? Well, we, we do, um, but that's, that's, no, let's not allow that to put us off, because um, I'm actually really looking forward to seeing uh, tonight's guest. Um, I haven't seen her for a, quite a while, and so it's nice to be able to catch up in, in such informal fashions, and she's got quite a story to tell. So, um, I, so I hear, I've not, I've not met her. You've told me about her, but I've not, I've not met okay. her personally. Uh, well, well, Sif... Sif, um, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to hesitate from mentioning her surname. I think I, I sent it to you on a message. Can you? Yes. Now, I, I went on to Google Translate because um, it's a, an Icelandic name. It is and So I, I, I got it as Tastadotir. I think that's probably... We'll, we'll ask Sif about that, shall let's we? Let's do that. Let, let's, get, let's get her in because she's a vet who um, started life... Um, I think she studied biology first. was her first degree. Yes, that was then, in Iceland, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, uh, and then she went to, I think, Denmark, where mm-hmm. she uh, took her, did her veterinary studies, um, spent a little time in America at Davis. Yeah, yeah, while she was studying. While she was studying, right, okay. She then worked in Iceland as a vet, which is when I met her mm-hmm. uh, quite a few years ago. And her When you were doing one of your photo sources? I, I was indeed, and uh, I... She since then she has moved lock, stock, and barrel to live in a small village, medieval hilltop village, just north of Rome, in Italy. Italy. Why, why would you go from Iceland to Italy? Well, let, let's get her in then. Let's get okay. Sif in, yeah. and um, let's let's ask Sif why on earth she would move from Iceland to Italy. Oh my god. Okay, Mike, it's raining here. Is it raining where you are? Yeah, it's raining where I am as well. Hey guys. Uh, hi, Sif. Yeah. I was Hello just touching some more uh, limoncello. Okay. <laughs> right, I was I was just we Julian and I were just wondering why you would give up Iceland um for Italy, but I think Yeah, to to, that... to move to a suburb of Italy. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> a suburb of Rome, do you mean? Of Rome, a suburb of Rome, yes. <laughs> well, 
It, it kind of is the suburb of Italy as well. <laughs> but but I see the view behind you. It's not it's not terribly shoddy, is it? No, this is my uh, garden actually. So this is where oh, I have bit, as far as we can morning. see. Wow! <laughs> wow! You can't see your fence down there. You can't see your garden fence at the back there. It's that's that's a pretty big garden you've got it's there. A huge so. garden. Yeah. The, the, I've got uh, the view of like uh, the whole valley here and the mountain on the other side. It's really beautiful. And my garden is facing south. There's a in my village. There's a huge debate always about uh, who, like, which side is better, the sunny side, like the south side, right. or the north side, that's the shaded side. Okay. So there's like a huge debate always, and uh, people do not disagree. But of course. Um, the sunny side is better. Well, like, the sunny side is, uh, is, is much better. Yeah. And, and we, of course, we all know now that the, the sunny side is better against coronavirus because it'll produce more yes, vitamin for D example. in your belly. Yes. <laughs> Excellent. So, so what, what do the people on the north side say, though? Well, they say, like, the south side is too hot in the summer. Like, they, it's too, there's too much there's not enough shade and everybody's like just boiling in the sun. And I'm like, but we live in the, in Italy because of the sun. Like that's, that's why we're here. Sure. <laughs> so I'm going to share my screen briefly here um, and show you just a few photographs. So you, you gave up views like this. Yeah, this is my mountain um, actually in this picture. Okay. Uh, this mountain is called Kirkjufell. Yeah. Um, loosely translated as church mountain. It's very photogenic uh, because it's mm. like um, stands uh, alone. Like there's no other mountains like uh, yeah. uh, in the background or it, well, it kind of depends on the angle, but you can get the angle like this where the, the Atlantic Ocean is in the background. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, okay. and there's uh, the waterfalls, the two waterfalls also. Oh, Oh, yeah, wow. you can, and you can see the the fjord there. And actually, uh, I uh, I call it my mountain because it's uh, my mother comes from the village that's just uh, next to this mountain. Wow. I, I have to say, it's it's been a, it's a place I've I've visited a number of times, um, going to to take photographs, and uh, it, it never ceases to amaze me. I've, I've seen this covered in in meters of snow and I've had to wade waist deep in to get to get the angle on this particular shot and it, you're right it's it's very photogenic isn't it it's um mm. it, it was so photogenic it was used in game of thrones as well yeah where it oh, was, was it yeah it was known as the shark tooth mountain so, so <laughs> tell us if i mean your your first degree was in biology was it not yes that's that's correct okay and you did that in iceland in Iceland, University of Iceland, and right. then um, I uh, applied and got in uh, to veterinary medicine in Copenhagen. Okay. Mm -hmm. So is that a normal path for for Icelandic vets to to train and learn in in Denmark? Yes, it's uh, we don't have a vet school in Iceland. Right. So it's very common. Uh, most Icelandic vets have uh, done their uh, training in Denmark or Norway. Um, Sweden a couple and also Germany mm -hmm. some in the UK not so much though because it's super expensive is yeah it? it's very very expensive 
Right. Oh, that's interesting. We, I... Yeah, because Iceland is not member of the EU. Right. So we have to pay double um, tuition. Right. Right. It's, it's interesting because probably by the time uh, by the time this show is aired, the UK <laughs> probably won't be a member of the EU either. Yeah. So yeah. maybe maybe it'll get easier now for Icelanders to <laughs> to study in the UK. Who knows? But actually, talk, talking of differences between various European countries. I heard a, a great um, uh, definition the other day of, of heaven and of hell. You heard about this? No, go on. So, so in heaven, the police are British, the cooks are French, the engineers are German, the lovers are Italian, and it's run by the Swiss. In hell, the police are German, the cooks are British, the engineers are Italian, the lovers are Swiss, and it's all run by the French. <laughs> I, I, actually, on, on behalf of uh, Ferrari, Motomarini, Benelli, um, Colnago, I, I have to disagree with you on the, the Italian engineering perspective. Yes, I, I was going to say the same. Like, uh, actually, Italians are, um, are great engineers. Yeah. So, so coming back, Sif, I mean, tell me again. So you, you graduated in Denmark mm -hmm. and you then went back to Iceland to work as a vet, didn't you? Yes, I did. Right. How long did that last? Um, it did last a few years. Like I was planning to stay longer in uh, Denmark, actually, uh, in the beginning. But then I had a family. Um, my husband really wanted to move back to Iceland. Mm hmm. He's still there. <laughs> um, and, uh, and our son was going to school. So we thought, well, maybe we should like, we should have him go to school in Iceland and be close to his grandparents. And uh, so we uh, moved back. And uh, first I, I worked um, in a clinic, mm -hmm. a small animal clinic. And then um, I started my own clinic, like with, uh, with two other vets, like a, a hospital. Well, that was where I first met you, wasn't it? Yes. In Reykjavik. Yeah. 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 I was trying to remember today. I don't even remember, like, who introduced us? Or did you just, like, knock on the door and say... No, no. Um, it was... The thing about Mike, the thing about Mike is no one ever remembers how they met Mike. <laughs> 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 we believe that's because the drugs last long. forever. <laughs> That's how it is. That's how it is. <laughs> Sorry, do, do carry on, Mike. No, I think uh, we were actually introduced by Neil Smith. Yes, that's right. Yeah. So uh, Neil, uh, Neil introduced us. I can't remember why or how. Um, I think it's because you were coming to Iceland to do photo shoots. Something like that. I can't. I can't yeah. remember exactly. And and uh, your name came up, and I contacted you, and then came and knocked on the door. And said yes. Hello. Hello. <laughs> Show me your clinic. So, what uh, what's small animal practice like in in Iceland? Was it was it small animal? Was it large? Was it mixed? Sorry. I, I yeah, it was small animal. We did uh, have like um, we did sometimes go out for like horse visits or sheep. We had um, we, I remember um, we did um, a sheep cesarean. Sometimes somebody like brought in sheep or. Or yeah. chickens or something, but mostly it was uh, small animals like pets. Right, right. And yeah. are there, how many vets are there in Iceland? 
Um, I think the total number is just over 100. When I was uh, president, it was 100. Really? Well, you, you were president yeah. of the Icelandic Veterinary Association, weren't you? Yes, I was. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. So First, did you carry a majority of votes? You know, was it was it that 99 people voted for you or, uh, or was there a bit <laughs> of a tussle there to... No, 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 no. No, it was not a Russian <laughs> vote. <laughs> but, but I did get like a, a good majority, so I was happy. <laughs> well, everyone is up for um, vote. I was the first female and also the youngest person ever to be the president. So I guess some of the, the older generation felt like I, I wasn't really ready. Mm-hmm. Maybe they still feel that. I don't know. <laughs> Fair enough. So, so you you sold up and you left Iceland. Now I, I've got I've got va- you'll have to correct me on this one, Sif, because I've got vague memories of you putting everything into a van and sort yeah. of traveling through Europe. Yeah. So the original idea was to take like a six month sabbatical because um, okay. I was feeling like really stressed out and like a lot of us, I think, mm-hmm. in practice. Um, Starting never. to feel like, yeah, never, getting never, never happened. Yeah, no. Never, never, no. Uh, you, well, you used, maybe you I'm the only them. one who has ever worked in small animal practice. Sorry, you don't get stressed, Julie. No, and breathe, and breathe, breathe, with <laughs> breathe, breathe. You look as if you're gonna blow a gasket and breathe. Yeah, yeah. yeah so I decided to take like a six month sabbatical and right. uh. And uh, get a camper van and drive around Europe uh, for a few months in a camper van. And I thought, like, this is gonna help me to like relax, and I'm gonna be like just like gonna knit and drink prosecco and like talk to people like around Europe. And actually, um, I did. I visited a lot of colleagues all over because um, as um, the president of the Veterinary Association, I got to meet a lot of people. I, I was our representative at the um, FE, the Federation of Veterinarians in Europe. So I went to congresses there and uh, I met uh, some lovely colleagues all over Europe. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so I did like Mike, I just knocked on their door. <laughs> Hello, I'm here. <laughs> Can I camp in your, in your driveway? <laughs> sure. <laughs> And then I was like, uh, I asked everyone because I was thinking like, I, I wonder what it's like to like live in, like I'd already lived in Denmark, um, but uh, I, I like I've been to visit these other countries and thought, oh, I wonder what it's like to live here. Like I should like ask people like, what's it like to live in this country? Like where you live, like the Netherlands or like I went all over. I think I went to 18 countries. Wow. Mm. Um, it was just me and my dog, the co-driver. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's really, really good actually to have a canine co-driver because every time I made a wrong turn, I could always be like, you told me to turn left, but we should have turned right. And now the street is so narrow that the car is stuck between these two houses. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I've got you pictured driving around Europe now. In, in your yeah, so now I'm driving around Europe in, yeah. uh, in this camper van with my dog, visiting all the vets that I know everywhere in Europe. Some of them were happy to see me. <laughs> And uh, then uh, I asked them, all of them, like, what's it like to live here in this country where you live? And, um, and it's really funny, like, they all had the same answer. 
It sure. doesn't matter if you live in Denmark or the Netherlands or Scotland or Spain or Italy. They all have the same answer. Um, we, we pay too much taxes and our politicians are corrupt. Okay. <laughs> so then, uh, like when I was like, uh, it was starting to get to the fall and I was thinking about this, like, why is everyone saying like these things? And uh, it was like starting to get time to where I was supposed to go back. Uh, and then I, I, I messaged my, uh, my partners and I said, I'm sorry, guys, I can't come back yet. It's uh, like, it's going to be like, it's the fall now. It's going to be so depressing in Iceland, too cold. Like I have to stay until the spring, I think. Mm -hmm. So and, and how did that go down? Well, that's when I, I sold my share in the clinic. <laughs> And then I, I, th I thought about this for a while. And then I said, like, if you're going to live in a country where you have to pay too much taxes and you have corrupt politicians, you might as well live in a country that has like a uh, nice uh, wine um, for great price, sunshine, good food, like friendly people. So I just turned around and drove back to Italy and um, parked my car there. Well, so w were you actually on your way back then? And yeah, I was, I think I was in Scotland, actually. And it was starting to get, it was like September, it was starting to get cooler. And I was like, no, I have to go south. Like, I have to go south. This is not gonna work for me. Right. <laughs> you didn't want to stay in Scotland because the view behind you, I mean, that, that, that could be, um... no, you're right. No, it's not uh, nice. yeah. <laughs> Carry on. Carry on. <laughs> yeah, so I, I drove to Italy. I stayed. Um, first, I stayed. Uh, um, I, I did some house sitting. Have you heard of right. that? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So first I stayed with a, a cat lady in the north of Italy for she was she's English. Really, really nice lady with a lot of cats. So I helped her take care of the cats. Mm -hmm. And uh, she um, she has like this uh, cat rescue uh, in the north of Italy in Piemonte. Uh, it was really nice. I stayed there for three months. But for me, I was like, mm, it's still too cold here. Yeah. <laughs> so then I went to Umbria and I stayed there for five months. Mm -hmm. Umbria was a little bit warmer, but mm, still too cold for me. Nice, yeah. nice truffles. Nice truffles. I did. I went truffle hunting. Um, yeah. Yes. And uh, I gave some dog training tips to the, the truffle man he needed help with uh, one of his truffle dogs didn't want to eat the truffles <laughs> she didn't want to like find the truffles it was yeah. uh, right so uh, we came up with a plan for that and then um, i met an icelandic opera singer hmm. at the movie theater in umbria right <laughs> she lives in umbria so um we became very good friends and i stayed with her after my house sitting uh, career ended um, and then I uh, was browsing online thinking like, what shall I do next? Like, I can't stay like on my friend's couch forever. Like, I'm going to I'm going to have to do something. So um, I saw this house uh, for sale on some expat um, mailing list. Mm -hmm. So I told my friend, let's go on, a, on like a, a, a road trip. We can go like together on a road trip. This house is like near Rome. It's only like a couple of hours drive. We can like go in the campervan and have like a nice day out. Go like in the in the late morning, get there, have lunch somewhere on the way, and uh, enjoy the countryside on the way back. Mm -hmm. So we decided to do this. We took a 
a little trip. And then uh, as we got closer to the village and the, the, the roads here are like really narrow and windy, like in, in, uh, like in Yorkshire. Uh, <laughs> but, but oh, so unlike Yorkshire in other ways. <laughs> For 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 the for the English viewers, so they can like picture it in their minds. Yeah, yeah. So uh, there's windy roads. And there's there, lots those, of trees. Those, those viewers in Yorkshire are probably thinking, "Well, so we got olive trees out back, have we? Bloody seen it. Tear it down each leg of a trouser. No bloody Yorkshire uh, olive trees around here, no." Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so then the, the, when the trees cleared and I saw the village, I was like, "Oh my god, this is like a fairy tale village, like a." It's like a hilltop uh, medieval village um, uh, with a historical center that's surrounded by a wall, uh, which is probably from the 12th century. Oh. Uh, well, the inner wall is from the 12th century. Then there was a population boom in the 15th century. So they expanded. So my mm -hmm. house is on the outer wall, which is from the 15th century. So my house is probably around 500 years old. Um, I just, I saw this house and I was like, oh my God, this is perfect for me. It's a little bit bigger than the camper van, not much, but a little <laughs> bit. <laughs> and uh, uh, this lovely garden outside, which adds like a whole new house because I can use the garden a lot. Yeah. And uh, I, just perfect for me and this little dog. So I ended up um, making an offer and, and buying the house. Wow. Wonderful. And how many people are there in your village? Uh, it's just uh, shy of 1,000. So it's the same as my mother's uh, village, Grundarfjörður in Iceland. <laughs> 1,000 <God>. people. <laughs> so what's happened to the camper van then? So I actually ended up selling the camper van. Right. Uh, um, I, I, it, it, was, it um, was driven back to Germany. Actually, my dad and I bought the camper van together. Right. So my dad used it after, like, we uh, used it for, uh, we took a trip together at the beginning. And then uh, when I um, finished my trip, he came over and picked up the camper van and, and drove it around Europe. Wow. And then, and then back to Germany and, and sold it. So. Oh, amazing. Because you're about to get a camper van, aren't you, Mike? <laughs> I am, yes. Yeah. <laughs> In actual fact, I am now the proud owner of an ex-Morrison's. Refrigerated wow. van. No, Congratulations. Refrigerated. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we got it this afternoon. Hmm. Um, well, the, the final deal is going to be done at the weekend. But um, yeah, so it's a refrigerated van. Oh, so like you're going to come and visit me in Italy and you have the refrigeration just to like remind you of home, like when you go to bed at night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm the odd one out. This is a bit like... Um, have I got news for you, isn't it? The, who's the odd one out? Well, it's me, because I haven't got a camper van. I almost bought one once, uh, but as I was test driving it, it caught fire on the roundabout. <laughs> and, um, and I only just managed to get out. The, 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 the owner of the camper van, the guy who's trying to sell it, had already kicked the door open and was running down the motorway as the A27. And uh, suddenly the police turned up. You know, there I was in the middle of this roundabout, stuck with, with flames coming out of the uh, the, the, the camper van. And they said, uh, who's your vehicle, sir? I said, reasonable assumption, but no, in this case, it's not. I, I'm taking it for a test drive. They said, well, uh, I, 
I don't think it's worked, has it? And I said, no, it hasn't really. <laughs> do, you, do you have any idea where the registered owner is? I said, well, he was legging it down the road a moment ago. I don't know why. I said, well, we can, we can tell you why. Because it hasn't got an MOT, it's not insured, and it may well be stolen. So, uh, <laughs> so I spent the next four hours down the police station answering wow. questions. <laughs> Escape by the skin of your teeth. Yes. Well, fortunately, because I was able to say, I know exactly where this guy was, and my car is at his house. <laughs> it, he, wasn't, uh, he didn't make the best escape. So you got a lift back to your car, did you? I lived back to my car. They, they rang the doorbell. He answered. He said, um, interesting story here. So we believe you're selling a camper. No. No. You're not selling a camper van. No. No. Well, this, this man says that he has driven a camper van of yours from this address. Never seen him before in my life. <laughs> and at that stage, I said, sorry, I, I left my coat in your, uh, in, in your porch. Can I go get it? <laughs> And he shot me daggers. <laughs> so, so I have not got a camper van yet, but I'm looking into it again. You know, 20 years on, I think maybe now's the, now's the time to have a second go. Oh, when, when we finally finish building ours, we'll have a look at it. <laughs> yeah, do, do. I definitely recommend it. I would love to have a camper van again. <laughs> so it just, it just struck me. And uh, my mind works in mysterious ways. I'm, in no way able to understand, but uh, when you said stolen, you said it in a sort of stolen way, and I started thinking of um, of, of food uh, because, of course, stolen is is, uh, is a German Christmas cake, isn't it, with marzipan inside? And I suddenly thought, actually, the food you're used to in Iceland and the food you're used to in Italy are almost diametrically opposed, aren't they? It, <laughs> yeah, you could say that. Yeah. I, I really, one of my, my pastimes here in Italy is to horrify uh, Italians with stories and pictures of Icelandic food. <laughs> <laughs> a great hobby of mine. <laughs> so, so talk us through some Icelandic national meals. <laughs> yeah, so uh, we're heading into the autumn now and um, we have a, a winter festival in February called Thorrablot. Mm-hmm. And this is where we um, indulge in uh, eating our traditional foods that actually nobody eats uh, at other, most people don't even eat it like at other times of year. It's like- This isn't the fermented fish, is it? Fermented yeah. shark. Oh, yeah. fermented shark. Um, well, this fermented fish is like a Christmas tradition. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the 23rd of December, the night before, Christmas, what we call the night before Christmas. Um, that's the, that's where we eat the fermented fish, where people have to like, um, you have to cook it outside because the smell is so strong. If you live in like a, a building with uh, apartments, especially if there's like non-Icelandic people living in the building, you'll be kicked out if you try to cook this like inside your apartment because <laughs> it smells for days yeah. afterwards. Uh, yeah, so this kind of, we eat uh, fermented shark, um, whale blubber, mm-hmm. um, all kinds of... I've, I've, I know someone, I've not eaten whale blubber myself, but a friend of mine has, and he reckoned it was delicious. It's, it's yeah. quite salted, isn't it? Some people like it. I, I, I'm not one of those people. But... <laughs> Mike's, Mike's shaking his head. He, he doesn't 
No, he's tried it probably. What about, did you try the ram's testicles? Ram's testicles, yeah, I've, I've, I've eaten most, most uh, or tried most of the, the, the dishes in Iceland, mm -hmm. um, purely out of inquisitiveness, to be honest yeah. with you. Uh, most foods are, are delicious if, if we don't think about them. And I, the, the, only, the only one I disagree with uh, that comment is, is, some, is durian fruit. Have you ever tried durian fruit? Have you had durian fruit? No. no. I had durian fruit. Silver and I went to Malaysia for our honeymoon, and everyone, all the taxi drivers, all the, all the waiters uh, would say, uh, have, you, have you had durian fruit? You must try it. Smell like hell, taste like heaven. So we thought, okay, we'll, we'll give it a go. And, and it does. You're not allowed to take a, a durian fruit into the hotels because they smell so bad. They smell of vomit. And um, we thought one day, last day, actually, on, on Malaysia, there were some ripe durian fruit being sold by the segment. So we thought, let's give it a go. Smell like hell, taste like heaven, let's go for it. Smell like hell, taste like shit, make you vomit. Absolutely <laughs> awful. And the worst thing is that, that they also gave me the hiccups. And every time I hiccuped, I could taste it again. So I was sick again. Uh, I, I, must have been, I must have been sick about 30 times over the next 12 hours. Oh my god! <laughs> and on the plane, you know, twelve hours later, on the plane, I'd have a cup of coffee, and um, little. Oh. <laughs> so the, the take-home message there, children, is: do not leave it till the day before you fly home before you try the exotic local food. No. Yes. <laughs> However, there's a chance I may have had one that was off. So. I'm actually, I'm going to try it again one of these days just to see. Yeah, it sounds like a plan to me. Yeah, I did yeah. have a cucumber once. <laughs> yeah, like, why not? If you've, like, already puked 30 times, why not try it again? Give it, give it another go. Let's move off food. I want to come back to Italy. Mm -hmm. Can I ask you what, what it is that you're doing? You're, you're stuck in a medieval hilltop town in Italy, yeah. just north of Rome. What do you do with yourself? How do you tell us? Yeah, more. so actually, before I, um, after I started the clinic, I decided to study behavior. Okay. Uh, behavior medicine, because I was, uh, I had actually when I was studying, and I didn't realize this until later, when I was studying, when I moved to Denmark originally to study veterinary medicine, I had a dog with me that was like the first dog that I ever had and trained myself. All right. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, after like a few years, um, we um, it became apparent that uh, our dog had a behavioral problem, and uh, she was aggressive towards children. Oh, yeah, not a very good situation when we had a, a little boy ourselves, and uh, and she bit. Uh, eventually, she bit um, one of his friends that was visiting, and. Uh, we had to put her down um, and that was really um it was very traumatic for me to like i was a vet student i was a biologist like i felt like a big failure uh, not being able to train this dog in the proper way and i had like taken classes and like did all the things like read some books and i i i did all the things i thought that um were you're supposed to do like when you're training your dog 
So I didn't, um, yeah, it was really difficult. And uh, I became very interested in uh, behavior medicine and I started doing some research into like statistics, like who, like, I, I'm sure I'm not the only person, like when I started doing the clinical rotations, I noticed that we were also dealing with the behavioral problems there. Um, and I was looking at the statistics and like more than 20% of dogs that are euthanized are euthanized because of behavioral problems. Wow, is that, is that right? So one in five. Yeah. Yeah, so I became very interested and I did this uh, project in Iceland and I discovered the, the statistics were the same in Iceland as the others um, that I had in, from the UK, from the US, from Denmark. Wow. Um, it was more or less similar and I thought like, wow, this is like a huge problem mm. um, and people need help. Uh, also, like we didn't learn so much about behavior uh, during the veterinary studies. So I started uh, doing some research and I eventually uh, took um, a diploma degree, like my third degree in, um, in the UK. So I, I finished that program and, uh, and I like understood after all this studying why uh, my dog had behaved the way she did, uh, the mistakes that I had made and I understood. So I became very uh, interested in um, like teaching others um, helping the the, mm. the people, um, our clients, to deal with this part of their dog's uh, lives. So I started doing um, behavioral uh, consultations in the clinic. And you know, when you do a behavioral consultation, sometimes uh, I was telling this to somebody this morning, uh, um, a potential client, that I people used to bring in their dogs to the clinic, but I wasn't doing anything with the dogs. Like I wasn't, Yeah. I, like I, I would just talk to the clients and the dog would just sit there, usually like sitting in the corner being scared. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but now I can talk to the clients um, online. So most of my clients are actually, all of my clients are not here in Italy. Wow. So, yeah, so I have clients like um, in in Europe, uh, in Iceland, in the US, Gosh. and and we just uh, do this. Uh, we have uh, do Zoom uh, consultations. Right. Sometimes they send me like videos and pictures. Like I had a, a a case the other day where the dog was eating the wall. Wow. Of their house, <laughs> very interesting case. Sure. And uh, so they sent me a video of him. Uh, um, <laughs> doing his thing and the picture really funny where he was like sitting like he was really proud with the holes <laughs> yeah. wow yeah that was a really interesting case mm. um yeah so now i just do the consultations online people send me pictures and videos of the dogs uh, right. if needed um sometimes the dogs like participate like they're there like when i do the consultations and um yeah so that's that's what i'm doing right now so this is, a, this is a worldwide digital business. Yeah. So I can do it from my house here in, uh, in Tofia. My, my town is called Tofia. Right. Uh -huh. And so the advice you give is, um, is practical. Is it ever medical? Do you, do you ever advise? Yes, I do, actually. Uh, of course, like I'm not licensed to practice in um, only like only in Iceland, in Denmark. So I can't prescribe. Uh, the medicine but I recommend uh, often and I usually have a, a like a, a good working relationship with their 
local vets so the people also my clients in iceland um i'm not prescribing uh, myself yeah. i i just write uh, a note for their uh, their regular vet and they uh, prescribe the, the medicine so that they can um keep tabs of like eventual like if in case which is very rare but could happen that they have side effects or something like that right. then it's better that they are in, in good contact with their local vet who uh, supervises them i think you're absolutely right you, you said earlier on um, that there's very little in the way of behavior training at vet school and, and there there isn't um i don't know whether there is now but certainly when i was at vet school uh i don't think we had any behavioral training oh no no we did we did we had um we had two one-hour sessions on animal behavior mm-hmm. with with someone who uh clearly had some sort of mental health problems of, of, of her own and was unable to face us when she was lecturing and so the lecture went like you you, you sometimes find there's a slide here uh, and you sometimes find the dogs uh, <laughs> It was very difficult to understand what she said. So it was quite bizarre. Um, but that, that left me knowing very, very little about animal behaviour and dog, dog behaviour in particular, to the extent that now I, I, I freely admit when clients come in and, and there is a behavioural problem, I say, look, you know, I could give you advice, but it'll almost certainly be wrong. So there are experts, there are specialists, and I would strongly recommend that you get in touch with them and here's a few mm-hmm. uh, and, and I must get your details so now I can say here is here is who I'd recommend. Yeah because it's uh, actually uh, behaviors there's not that many veterinary behaviorists. No, no so, but there are um, lots of different qualifications aren't there and it's quite confusing. Yeah uh, because like a behaviorist is not like a, a registered or um, how do you say uh, controlled or um, controlled um, terms so like anyone can call themselves a behaviorist yeah uh, so it's uh, it's different qualifications for i for example like i have uh, i have not completed like a board certification mm-hmm. um it's uh something that i would like to do in the future but it's it's not so easy to find such a program um because they are few and far between yeah, so it's, it is starting now. Uh, there are uh, organizations where people can sign up and uh, when you have like qualifications, um, mm. you can be admitted uh, as a member. Yeah, yeah. I guess it's worth, it's worth laboring the point uh, to, to people who are, who are watching or listening in that actually if, if your pet has a behavioral problem, don't just flick through, I was gonna say flick through the yellow pages. And, <laughs> First of all, no one outside of England knows what they are. Secondly, even in England, they don't exist anymore. But yeah. don't just get onto the net and say, let's find an animal behaviorist because there are uh, good ones and bad ones. There are cranks and, and mm-hmm. you've got to get it right because otherwise yeah. you know the dog that, that bites someone and you have to put it to sleep at that stage. Whereas if you go to a proper behaviorist, there's a very good chance that, that you can sort that, that dog's problems out. Yeah, there's a, it's, it's, uh, there's a lot we can do. And also, unfortunately, there's so uh, much uh, nonsense out there as well. Yeah. Um, there's still so many uh, outdated methods that are being uh, promoted. 
that have been proven to have like uh, no scientific merit. Um, a lot of it is based on like feelings or like some um, misconstrued um, old research on wolves, for example. So there's a lot of uh, nonsense out there. But uh, really like veterinarians who are um, have like a, a special uh, specialty in uh, behavior, we're more like um, psychiatrists. Yeah. or psychologists um and uh and it's like you have to consider more than just the behavior of the of the dogs because now we are like we understand dogs much more than we did there's a lot of research this is like a really um expanding uh a rapidly expanding field of research and uh so we we're also considering like the emotional state of the dogs mm without like anthro we, we we don't have to anthropomorphize the dogs to uh, understand that they also have feelings not just behaviors yeah neuroses in dogs is is it a thing can, can dogs get neuroses yes i mean a lot of dogs suffer from anxiety and uh, and fear related problems and um we're not we have to, of course, be careful of not like uh, projecting our own feelings and thoughts onto the dogs. Uh, and that's why we've always been so focused on behavior. But we know that dogs aren't just machines that behave in a certain way. They also have their own thoughts and, uh, and their feelings. We can't um, describe them as accurately as we can with human patients because we can't ask them like directly. But we can extrapolate some uh, and there's been a lot of really, really interesting research on um, like the intelligence of dogs, like what what they understand and what they don't understand and, and things mm. like that. So it's it's really, really um, fascinating field. Yeah. Do, you, do you find yourself in these situations working as much with the the, the I'm trying to think of a, of a nice PC expression here, the, the pet parent, the owner, um, as much as the animal? Yeah, absolutely. It's a, it's like a holistic team thing mm -hmm. where you're working with the yeah, absolutely because the animal. My clients are are humans. Like they're not yeah. uh, they're not uh, my clients aren't dogs. The yeah. patient is a dog, but the client is a person, and uh, and that's also why the first module of my uh, behavior studies was uh, human psychology. Right. Oh, we right. did like a whole uh, module on human psychology. We read the the book that. Um, psychologists read right uh, because it's really important to be able to relate to the 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 owners right so and this, this field is really you? about like i'm what i'm doing i'm training the people yeah mm. and the people are training their dogs where do you get your referrals from Sif? um online mostly okay so through uh facebook like social media also, word of mouth as well. Right. So, so how how can how can I or, or viewers, or listeners, how can I refer my patients to you, and how can people uh, get 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 help from you? Did, yeah. You... So people can just contact me through my website, um, which is sifthevet.com. Sifthevet.com. Yeah. And I Great. have like the same handle on all the social media as all well, if the vet. Brilliant. Yeah. I, I just remembered a, a joke I heard many years ago, which is uh, the difference between a neurotic, a psychotic, and a psychologist. 
Have you heard of this? No, let's hear it. So a neurotic builds castles in the air. A psychotic lives in castles in the air. And a psychologist collects the rent from both. <laughs> That's really uh, excellent. <laughs> Let me tell you about the hedgehog. There was a, Tell us about the hedgehog. I mean, the hedgehog. A hedgehog in the village. I, on top of the mountain. I saw this hedgehog. Like I don't know if I remembered. Oh, this is the picture I have in in, in the background. Mm -hmm. Yep, that's beautiful. The hedgehog. Um, I just saw him outside, and I was like, "Oh my god!" Like, uh, because in Iceland we don't have any hedgehogs, right? Or mm -hmm. we don't have so much wild uh, mammals in general. Mm -hmm. So I was really excited to see the hedgehog, and then um, uh. Then he just scuttled off and I didn't think more of it. And then a couple of months later, I heard a really loud noise in my uh, bathroom. Yeah. And I was like, I woke up in the middle of the night. It was like 3 a.m. And I thought, that's a chewing sound. Somebody's eating the cat food, but it's not a cat because I can <laughs> definitely hear. And I was like, well, people who like are probably most of the people listening to this or, or watching are pet people. Yep. And you, you just know, like, I recognize the chewing of my cats. Like, that's just the way it is. Mm -hmm. And or the dogs. I was like, this is a, it's not my cat. So I, I turned on the light and I was like, maybe there's like a, some other cat or something. And uh, it turned out it was the hedgehog. Oh, wonderful. Yeah, so he'd come all the way into the bathroom, and uh, all the <laughs> the cats and the dogs were all like looking at like why is why is this animal here eating our food? Uh, but they are all very friendly, so they didn't do much. Suna tried to play with him, but uh, that mm. didn't go so well. <laughs> um, and then he just left, and the, and then he came back every night, and I was. Um, he started like waking me up every night. So I was like, no, this is not so good. So I moved uh, a bowl of cat food next to the door mm. so he could just like come in and like eat the cat food and then leave again. So he wouldn't have to go all the way into the bathroom. And then of course uh, in the fall, he's, he's probably gone into hibernation now because he's not coming anymore. So I'm waiting for the spring to see if I'll have my, my hedgehog friend oh, visit wonderful. again. That's lovely. So here's the, the wisteria again. Yeah, there's a language barrier, obviously, isn't there, between um, between your dog and the hedgehog? Yes, yes. So apparently the hedgehog didn't really uh, get what the game was about. Right, fair enough. So this is me taking over as uh, president of the Rotary Club Rome International. Mm -hmm. Sorry, say uh, that again. You're the president of the... Rotary Ro Club Rome International. Wow. Yeah. Wow, congratulations. Thank you. Fantastic. Since uh, since June, so that's me taking over wow. from our past president. Oh, These are my look dogs. Look oh, look at them! Yeah, the co-drivers. Oh, beautiful. <laughs> beautiful. So, Sunna, the small one, is a Havanese. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, Odin, the, the 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 bigger one, he's he's actually not so big. He's seven kilos. Odin, of course, I should say to, to people who are listening rather than watching, Odin naturally has just one eye. Yes. So yes. Hence, that's where he got his name from. So I adopted him. Uh, he came 
I, I'd seen him around the village uh, for a few months, just running around the village. And I didn't think much of it because here in Italy, it's very common for people to just uh, let their dogs roam around. He was like, he, he's like uh, this Italian street dog. And I actually adopted him when he had uh, an accident and lost his eye. Mm-hmm. And we searched, uh, me and my, my Welsh neighbor, <laughs> searched <laughs> everywhere for, for the owners of uh, uh, this dog and couldn't find them. So we took him to the official vets. And here in Italy, they have a, um, like a, an emergency, um, free emergency services for animals as well as humans. So I, so I was like, oh, oh, fine, okay, I'll take him. And then, the, and then the, um, the vet asked, like, oh, so what's his name? And I was like, well, I don't know. You <laughs> just picked him up from the street. So um, my friend said, well, you should call him Odin because now he's only going to have one eye, and also it's like a tribute to your Scandinavian heritage. So and uh, and I was like, yes, that's that's a good idea. Absolutely. So, um, now I have Odin, the one-eyed dog, but he's very Italian. He only likes to eat pizza and pasta. <laughs> and he loves, he loves eating spaghetti. He eats spaghetti like an Italian person. Like he, he likes, uh, like uh, he sucks it up into his mouth like a, a person eating spaghetti. It's really, really yeah, brilliant. funny. Brilliant. He looks a real Sweden. We're just a tiny bit jealous. Just, just a little, little... Did, did I mention it's still raining outside? Yeah, it's still raining here. Well, so I have to, I have to admit that it, it did rain here this morning as well. Oh, I'm so sorry for you. Oh, yeah, oh. and the temperature was only 19 degrees. Oh my word! How did you cope? You must have had Is to that Like I have, like I had to like bring out all my winter clothes, like my scarf and oh. everything. Yeah. Oh boy. Yeah, it's oh, really dear, bad. Oh dear, oh dear. So, 19 degrees Fahrenheit. That's awful. That's really, yeah. really cold. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yes. Yeah. I want to hear more about this rotary rotary thing that you've got involved in, Sophia. And you, yeah. You've, you've moved to Italy and you've just thrown yourself into local life, haven't you? Yeah. So that's uh, that's uh, well. When you move uh, to a foreign country by yourself with only a small dog, mm-hmm. um, then uh, sometimes you need the human companionship. Yeah, and so I've 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 um I I was involved actually with Rotary uh, in Iceland before right, right. I left. So I've been a Rotarian for seven years now. Right. Um, and the Rotary Club is really a, it's an organization that does um, charitable work. Like that's the main um, purpose of the club. So mm-hmm. people uh, coming together and as a uh, as a community and uh, and doing charitable work. So um, we're doing, I'm very excited about the project that we're doing right now. My club has, um, we got a district grant. So we got a grant from the district. We raised money and the district um, uh, of uh, Lazio and Sardinia uh, um, gave us also a grant to uh, finalize this project. And we are sponsoring 50 girls in Uganda to go to school so we're paying their school fees and their uh meals mm-hmm. wow so these are girls that uh we have a, a lady from uganda who's on uh the board of our club uh, right. in our club so we are um partnering with um, a local rotary club in uh, in gulu in uganda right 
and also with an organization that has uh, made it possible for us to find the girls um, to um, so we are sponsoring them directly right that's fabulous amazing yeah. amazing yeah so we're really proud of this uh, project and it's uh, it's very yeah. um, nice to be able to to give back I, I spent some time in Africa a few years ago and um, one, one of the things that, that struck me particularly about the, the schooling in, in the areas that I was in was that schooling was available, mm -hmm. but you had to have school uniform to go to the school. Yeah. A good, good old colonial bureaucratic throwback. Mm -hmm. Come to mm -hmm. our school, but you have to pay for the uniform. Yeah. If you haven't got the uniform, you can't come to the school. Yeah. Quite what the uniform has to do with learning and teaching, I'm, I, I, I struggle with. But um, so, are, are there any restrictions like that in Uganda for, the, for these particular? Um, I think they actually. Some of the schools do have uh, right. school uniforms, right? Um, and it could also, well, it kind of uh, depends on the circumstances, but it can also uniforms can also be um, as a way of like make like having all the students at the same level so they don't have like different uh, like some students might have like much more expensive clothes than others so For sure that's one of the, like, the benefits of, of school uniforms but also but like you said it doesn't make any sense to restrict access to school based on on uniforms yeah. Um, um yeah but these are girls that have been like hand uh, selected and they're girls who are like they're good students, but they can't afford uh, the school uh, fees, right? And the uh, and their families can't afford to pay for them. And the, sadly, the the situation in many of these countries is that uh, if a family has like um, they have more children, and th then they will send the boys to school and not the girls. So the boys are more likely to be sponsored by their families to go to school than the girls. Well, that's why we decided to to sponsor girls. Fantastic! Yeah, yeah. they are more. Um, it's more difficult for them. Yeah. Our local schools. I, I'm chair of governors at our primary school, and uh, we're twinned with a, a school in uh, in Wahia in Kenya, and we often get videos of, of their daily lives out there and the one thing that strikes me is the children are so eager to go to school so so there's a very different ethic there yeah uh, children here even my own girls often sort of begrudgingly go to school, I don't want to go to school. Yeah. But they, they're so eager and happy and um, and grateful to be given the chance to be educated yeah, yeah. that's something that i think our affluent society all too easily loses mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So this that's, is a uh, very important. Um, yeah, well, that's fantastic. Sif. Yeah. That's brilliant. Fabulous. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Sif, did we did we cover sixty second CPD with you? No, and I've been thinking about this like uh, all day, and I actually um, wasn't like sure what I wanted to do with this segment. Okay. <laughs> Uh, you come to a conclusion. <laughs> Not really, no. <laughs> so, should, should we should we put you really on the spot and say um, fifty seconds, and uh, you get the prize? Yeah, Brilliant. yeah. So, All right, let's try it. 
let's try it. Let's see, see how you go. Let's start the clock. Okay, so I would uh, say to clinicians who are um, thinking about, uh, no, you have to start again. Like, <laughs> cut, cut. <laughs> no, I need like a, I, I should have, I should have. Have a, made sip, of, have a sip of limoncello. Take a have a sip of limoncello. I'll, I'll go I'll, for it. Yeah, there we go. I'll, I'll, have a, I'll have a drink as well. There we go. Cheers. Yeah. All right, let's do 60 seconds on parking. Okay. Let's do 60 seconds on barking. Sif, the clock is ticking. All right. So uh, the number one complaint of um, behavioral issues of uh, dog owners is barking. So that's uh, like I've done several surveys and, surveys, uh, and I always end up with the same number. It's more than half of the people that are worried about their dog's behavior uh, the problem is barking. So barking can be caused by a number of things. Um, it's, of course, normal communication of dogs. But it can also very often be a sign of anxiety and fear. So the dog that's barking hysterically at the gate or people coming in or when you're out walking uh, is very often with the underlying anxiety problem. And anxiety problems can eventually lead to the dog uh, becoming aggressive and biting someone and having to be put down, um, which is uh, a very big problem. And 20% uh, of uh, euthanasias of dogs are caused by behavioral problems. There we go. There we go. Fantastic. And that, of course, is something that you, as Sif the Vet, can help with. Yes. Also, so, so. like I was thinking, like how do how does a clinician know if the dog uh, needs um, a trip to the behaviorists? Yep. So how how would how would you know? Do they? Well, of course. Like um, I, I think we all know. Like when we when we have this uh, dog patient, and if this was a child in your family, you would. Oh like suggest to the parent to call the, the get um, uh, what's it called? Um, Advice from a vet? A therapist. A therapist, right, yeah, yeah. Then uh, the same would yeah, apply. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. so. It's so if, yeah. It's an important point you made that actually Barking is is a nuisance if they bark too much, mm -hmm. but actually it could progress, couldn't it, to them becoming violent and vicious yeah. and, and biting. And so yeah, because often the barking is a sign of an underlying issue. The barking is just the symptom, yeah. but it's not uh, the diagnosis. So I was uh, in the beginning, I was going about it a little bit in the wrong way because I was trying to start with the diagnosis, um, but the the the, um, the dog owners don't come to me or to, uh, to, to, the, to vets in general with a diagnosis. They come with the, the symptoms. Hmm. And then it's our job to, um, to find out what the diagnosis is. So you always have to start with the symptoms. So that's what people want help with. They want uh, to, like, um, to solve this symptom, to relieve the symptom, but they need help to um, solve the, the, the underlying problem. Excellent. Yeah. 
obviously that's that's the the key to all of your studies over the years and what it yeah, is and that's you're now the, giving back. Exactly. You're now giving back that information and that knowledge and those skills to the clients that need it to to help with their, their dogs and in particular yeah. um, mm-hmm. the ones that are continually barking. That's fabulous, Sue. Yeah. Absolutely fabulous. It's amazing. Amazing. Um, Julian, um, have you got a joke for this evening? Well, I have. I have. And I, I, I don't know, Sif, I must apologise uh, for, 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 for this in advance. I don't know whether Mike's told you that the general format of this is I ruin the mood of the evening by telling an absolutely rubbish joke. Um, oh, hang on a minute! That's a, that's a revelation. <laughs> let's let's go back to that, listeners. But, Did you notice that Julian anything. admitted his jokes were were not as good as they could be? Well, of Carry on, Julian. Don't be so hard on yourself. I've had I've had yeah. messages saying that your joke the other night was very good. I know. Thank you. I, I sent that message. Oh, right. <laughs> I, I I often I always try and tie the joke in with with uh, with, with with the with the guest and. It's a bit difficult because I, I did a joke about Thor uh, a couple of seasons ago, so I, I didn't have another joke about, about Thor. But and you don't have a joke about Odin? I couldn't think of a joke about Odin, other than the obvious ones about his eye, but I, I did find out that Iceland has uh, a huge number of golf courses, and apparently people come from all over the world to, to use the, the Icelandic golf courses. Now, I'm not a golfer, and I'm a bit, bit along the lines of Oscar Wilde in that I, I see golf as a good walk ruined. So I have absolutely no concerns about, um, about deriding golf. I'm not going to, though, in this joke. This is just the, 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 the story of the chap who um, was a, a really good golfer. And he'd play occasional games with people at the drop of a hat. So someone would say, look, I'm short of a partner uh, tomorrow. Could you make it? And he'd say, yeah, I'll... Um, I come along. Uh, what time do you want to start? Eight thirty. Eight thirty. Okay, might be a bit late, but I'll, I'll pop along eight thirty. Right, and he, he'd turn up at eight thirty, and he'd play the best game right-handed ever. Absolutely amazing, and he'd beat the uh, the opponent hands down. And, and then you know, a few days later, someone would say, uh, "Can you can you play a game with me tomorrow? Might my partner's let me down?" Yeah, well, eight thirty. Yeah, I might be a bit late. 8.30, I might be early, I'll, I'll turn up when I can. At 8.30 on the dot, he's there, and he plays this amazing game left-handed, beats some hands down. And this goes on. You know, some days he's playing left-handed, some days he's playing right-handed. Every day he says, I might be a bit late, but he's always there on time. And, and word of this gets around, and one of his friends uh, says to him, well, what's this all about? You, you play left-handed, you play right-handed, you're brilliant both ways. And you go on about this, I might be late, and you turn up on time. He says, why is that? Says, well, I'll tell you why. He says, I, um, I see every morning how my wife is lying in bed. And if she's lying on her left side, I play left, left-handed that day. If she's lying on her right side, I play right-handed that day. And he said, well, what happens if she's lying on her back? He said, well, then I might be a bit late, mightn't I? <laughs> oh, Julian. <laughs> so, so you don't know the joke about how do you spell Odin with one no. eye? 
I, I could do an abbreviated poem uh, about Thor along the lines of um, the joke I, I told a few seasons back, which is, the god of war rode out one day upon a snow-white filly. I'm Thor, he cried. His horse replied, you forgot your saddle, filly. <laughs> so there you go. There's two we also tell, like veterinary jokes on this. Uh, <laughs> like animal jokes. I have a joke. Yes. Go on, then. I don't know. Like maybe you've heard it before, but let's go try it. it. Like if, you, if you've heard it before or it's been told before, you can just cut it. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. All right. So, uh, so there was this uh, bat, and uh, he was doing um, after-hours emergency calls. And the, a man came rushing in through the door with his dog in his uh, arms, and put the dog on the table. And said, "Like, oh my God, you have to, you have to help me! Like, my my dog was hit by a car." And the and the bat uh, looked at the dog and like took it out the stethoscope, did like a thorough um, clinical exam. And then he said, I'm really sorry, sir, but I have to tell you that your, your dog has died. He's, uh, he's, he's no longer with us. And the man was very distraught and he was like, no, 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 I can't believe it. I don't believe it. Like, I want a second opinion. Of course, sir. Um, I can... Uh, I, I'll, uh, I will go out and call my, my colleague and, and we'll give you a second opinion. And then he opened the door and he went out back and then he came back with uh, this big um, dog. And the dog uh, sniffed around. And then he sat down and, and, and barked and said, woof. Yes, I'm really sorry, sir, but my, my colleague is, uh, agrees with my diagnosis. I'm, I'm very sorry, but your, your dog has died. No, it can't be true. This is, this is just a dog. Like, he doesn't know anything. Like, uh, I want another opinion. I want the third opinion. All right, this is the last one, but I can get you a third opinion. It's no problem. Of course, sir, whatever you want. And uh, so he, the, he took out the dog and then he came back with a cat. So the cat sniffed around a little bit like, and then he sat down on the table and said, meow. And, and, and the vet said like, I'm really, really sorry. Um, but my other colleague also agrees that uh, unfortunately your dog has died. So um, there's nothing more we can do for him. I'm very sorry for your loss. And the man said, oh, all right, then it must be true then for, since the three of you agree, it must be true then. So how much do I owe you? Yeah, that'll be 550 pounds. 550, you said 50 for the, for the emergency uh, exam. Yeah, yeah, but that was before the, the lab results and the CAT scan. <laughs> 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 fantastic do you know it, it, it's something somewhat remarkable to have a, a, a true polyglot on the show and, and it, it really takes something to, to, to tell a joke in a foreign language mm. that's, that's, that's when you know that you're fluent yeah yeah absolutely yeah, so I can tell jokes in Danish too but I don't know how many Danish viewers we have. You, you, you don't remind me a bit about the chap who, who uh, again, brought his, his very 
very overweight dog into the practice and, and said to the vet, uh, could you have a look at him, please? And the vet sort of bent down and looked. He said, well, there's a problem underneath his, um, his belly. Uh, you might need to lift him up to, to have a look at him. So the vet lifted him up to put him on the table. And as he was lifting him up, the, the guy was telling him about all the problems the dog had had over the last few months. And, and, and the vet said, look, I'm, I'm terribly sorry, I'm going to have to put your dog down. I got it. Is it that ill? He said, no, you won't stop talking. It's too bloody heavy. <laughs> right, on, now what, what's going on? On that <laughs> note. On that bombshell. On that note, could I please say thank you very, very much, Sif the Vet, for spending your time with us this evening and sharing your fabulous story of your journey from, from biology student to uh, animal behaviourist of the world, mm -hmm. live on the internet, living in Italy. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the show, and I've really enjoyed it. Me uh, too. Me too. Yeah. Thank, thank you, Sid. Thank you so much. So much. And mm -hmm. if you have enjoyed what you've heard this evening, please click, like, follow, subscribe on Facebook, on Spotify, on Apple iTunes, all the, all the various forums. But share it to your friends. If you've enjoyed it, you might know somebody enjoys it as well. We've certainly enjoyed our time, particularly this evening. So, Sif, thank you. Oh. And, Thank and, you so and, much for having me on the learned. show. No, no, no. We, we've learned. <gasps> we haven't done the CPD. Oh, we haven't done the CPD. Oh, this, no. This is amazing. One minute of CPD. Absolutely. Which, um, and I think, I think Sif's going to have to read out the, um, the CPD certificate because I, I wrote it in Icelandic. <laughs> Skírteini af frekari mentun, þetta vottar það, að þú hafir, well now I can't, it's too dark to read, að þú hafir veitt rambaranum okkar, barðuna, <laughs> this is really funny. <laughs> Which I think says everything, so it's, it's a certificate of, um, of, of uh, continued education, learning, um, and it says um uh, the proof which is skirtene af frekari mentun yes so certificate it's definitely of, google translated it, it was google translated yeah <laughs> but, but essentially it's saying thank you for watching tonight we had some awesome cpd uh and and there's a little little story as ever behind the, uh, the pictures so uh, now there, there's a wolf which is the only other uh, uh, name Sif that I can come up with. So Sif uh, is the name of this wolf, um, and uh, Sif is the, a character in um, oh gosh, what is it? The Dark Souls, which is uh, a, a fantasy film. He's um, a great grey wolf who is the companion of Sir. Uh, Artorius, who is the Abyss Walker. There we go. Uh, obviously, there's ice there, uh, there's snow there, and there's meadows climbing. And there's Mjolnir. Is that right? Mjolnir. Which is Thor's hammer. Yes. So, so Sif, uh, Sif was a, a goddess, and she was the wife of Thor. She was. Not his sister, like they said in the Marvel movies. So, Americans watching this, 
forget about Marvel. Sif was the wife of Thor, not his sister. That's right. And it's it's not clear whether she also had powers. She she was immortal, wasn't she? She was a goddess. She was a goddess, yes. Um, but but I, I couldn't get from, from any of my readings whether she had powers. I and mean, obviously Thor had, had his immense strength with his um, friendship with Mjolnir, the, the, the hammer. Uh, but did, was Sith able to do anything? I mean, presumably she was able to tell when he came in drunk. <laughs> yes. Sif was the, she was the wife of the Holman family and the Harvest, so... That's, well, I guess, that was... Well, making uh, Limoncello. Absolutely, and you brought in a big harvest of information for us. This evening. Yes. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for having me on the show. It was really great. That's, that's fabulous. So, so we normally sign off by raising a glass and wishing everybody, may your dog go with you. May your dog go with you. May your dog go with you. Cheers. Thank you Ciao. so much. Thank you. <laughs> yes, thank you so much, guys. This was really great. Yeah, we, uh, oh, we have a really long episode. Like, are you gonna cut it down to three or five? It cuts down to five minutes. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Not normally, your part because him and I are just idiots. So, no one wants to see or hear us. <laughs> <laughs>